It's counting up. Okay. Do I say good morning or good afternoon? And tell us like, a little bit about yourself. Good afternoon. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you so much this morning, Lord God, for, for the, the message that you've given me, Lord God, for the women that you've sent here to this workshop. Father, you know that I prayed for them. I prayed for each and every one of them that they could go away with a nugget here today. And, Lord, that you would just pour your spirit out upon me and speak through me, Jesus, that you would crucify any flesh in me, Father God. I don't want this to be of me. Lord God, but what you have done in me and what you're doing through me. So, Lord Jesus, just be with me this morning and encourage me to encourage these ladies, Lord God. And you love them so very much. In your precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning, ladies. I'm so glad I got to be up in the Shiloh Lodge because yesterday, uh, Kathy told me that I was going to be in one of the houses, which is fine, but, but I'm, I'm blessed. I am so blessed to be here. And I have to tell you... Um, this morning, um, well, let me tell you about myself. My name is Kathy Whipple. My husband was a lighthouse pastor for seven years in Fairfield, and uh, it was a wonderful time, and God blessed that ministry, and, and Bruce just really felt like God was calling him out of there. And, and you know, I, I have questioned and questioned why did we leave, and, and I look back now and I think, my husband is a pastor without walls. My husband's ministry is, I always tell him, is to the fringe. If you, if you sit in a church and somebody slips in the back and they're ragged and beat, and Bruce will be there to minister to them. I can always count on it. And, and walls can find him. He, he did a great job with the church, but I'm telling you, it, it's confining to him. And he just needs to be let go and not have to worry about deacons and elders and, and the tithe and all that stuff. And, and so I look back now. And really, I have to tell you, God really gave me that, that while I was preparing this message. I've kind of wondered, you know, why, God, why? And, and it's all, last night when Pat, Kathy said, pastor's wife, stand up, I... I sat there for a minute, and I, and I stewed about it, and I thought, you know what? The gifts and callings are irrevocable, and my right. husband will always be a pastor, and I will always be his wife, so I just... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyway, it's been awesome, and, and I feel like I will always be a pastor's wife because I love to minister to women. I love to pray with them, and I love to speak to women. So um, we left Fairfield after seven years, and then we moved to Oregon for three years and came back. So this morning, I want to talk to you about those things that steal our joy. Now let me back up a minute and tell you that when I got here last night, I looked in the, the, the uh, what do you call it, the bulletin, the program, and Kathy and I had talked at dinner about, that I kind of wanted to speak about, you know, what steals our joy, and, and so that was it. And I was off, and, and God was pouring into me, and I was taking notes as I was working, and, and then I put everything together, and I get here, and I look at the program, and I went, happiness versus joy. That's not what I'm talking about, really. And I started to panic. I started to worry. I started to worry. So immediately, the enemy was in, stealing my joy, because I was so excited to deliver you this message, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't what it was supposed to be. And I started to panic. And, and Kathy, bless her heart, I was like, ah, and she goes, it's okay. 
And, and I thought, really, it was, because I know that this message that God has given me to bring to you is, is ordained by God, just because of the way it flew out. I mean, my hand was just going like this. So, so I want to talk to you about the three things that, that uh, steal our joy. And, and as I was preparing for this message, the one thing, the one word that kept popping up as I was preparing was inspire. Inspire, and I want to inspire you ladies today. Now look at your neighbor and say, I want to be inspired. I want to be inspired. <laughs> so I, I, what I want to do, you know, I want to inspire you away from those things that steal our joy, and I want to encourage you toward godliness and freedom. And uh, I love the book of Philippians because, and in my, in my Bible, the book of Philippians is the most marked up book book in, the, in my Bible. So when Kathy asked me to teach, I was like, yes, this will be easy. Um, I love talking to women. I love women's ministries. Um, the book of Philippians, it's a, it's a wonderful thank you note. And it's from Paul to the believers. And he was, he's thanking them for their help to him in his hour of need. And the main theme is only in Christ will we find real unity and joy. Not in anything else. Not in anything else. So we'll bounce around a little bit this morning, but, but really where I want to settle is, is, a, is mostly on chapter 3 where Paul focuses on peace. Peace from those things that steal our joy. And I believe for women there are three main things that steal our joy. They are fear, doubt, and worry. Now, I don't know about any of you ladies, but I know these three enemies intimately. I've embraced them, given them shelter in my life, and I've worshipped them. Now, if this morning or this afternoon there's somebody in here that doesn't struggle with any of those things, I'm just going to give you a minute to slip out right now. So, because you obviously don't need to be here because you don't struggle with these things. So, so go ahead and go. Women live fear, doubt, and worry, don't we? For our husbands, our kids, our homes, our finances, you name it. We will fear, doubt, and worry about all those things. So let's break it down because your issue may be just one of these things. And you, you may be asking, well, aren't they all the same thing? I think women can morph these things all into one. But no, they each have their own life. So let's start with fear. And this is the definition of fear. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And, and words that are, that, that are synonyms of fear are terror, fright, panic, and distress. So right after my husband and I and my son, who is in high school, right after we moved to the coast, we started our business and the economy crashed. Now, if that affected any of you, raise your hand. Good, then we all know what I'm talking about. Um, tourism dropped on the coast to nothing and we were going under quickly. 
Fear took over, as it does. It caused me to be irrational, which it does with us women. And I ran ahead in my thoughts and, and, and started to panic and went, we are going to be homeless. Right? In a, in a matter of about an hour. I, I went from, from things are bad to we are homeless. And I remember standing in my closet and sliding down the wall to the floor. And I was so paralyzed with fear for our lives that I had allowed it to come in and tickle my ear and run away with me. I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, and the enemy was gaining ground in my life at a rate. My marriage was taking a hit. And you see, ladies, when we give way to fear and we don't, we, we, not, only, we not only tell the Lord that we don't trust him, but we're telling our husbands that we don't trust them to take care of us. And so that's a double, two-fold Plan to our life. So this irrational, out-of-control thinking went on in my life for weeks. And finally, when I had had enough self-pity, I ran to my Bible and I opened to 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now the word power in this verse is the same word for dynamite. And fear in this verse means shame, rooted in timidity, bound by others' opinions, a complete focus on self. Now, isn't that when we get in the most trouble is when we're focused on ourselves? So, so you see, I had not allowed that Fear, had I not have allowed that fear to take control, I would have realized that we never, never would have been homeless. I have, we have such a huge, wonderful group of believing friends. And we have a wonderful family that it never would have happened. But in my mind, we were there. We were living on the streets. So at that, t- at that point, I, I got to a point where his word was my life raft, and I clung to it. I'd get up in the morning and say to myself, that was, it was all I could do, I would get in the, up in the morning and say to myself, the only thing that matters today is my relationship with the Lord. And let me tell you, ladies, those words right there were my, were my saving grace, because it just took everything, it was like Debbie was saying, it took everything from here to here. Philippians 3.10 says uh, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. I knew that my focus had to be right there, to know him and the power of his resurrection. This fear, this fear was only an emotion, but God was everything. And, and that became very big to me. To, to, and we as women, we, we've got to realize that. We've got to go, okay, this is an emotion. This is an emotion. This can be controlled. I began to quickly realize that this trial, perhaps the biggest one in my life, and I know, ladies, that, that I'm sure you women in this room have had huge, worse ones than me. But at that time, it was the biggest one in my life. It was merely a chance to just see 
how God big is, how big God is. If we can do that in our trials, okay, this is an opportunity to see how big God is and see how he's going to work. I needed to open my eyes and learn the lesson he was teaching me. Because in the book of Daniel, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace, these three godly men, God didn't save them before the furnace, did he? No, he waited till they were in the furnace. And not only did he save them, he sent Jesus to be with them in there. And that's just what he's going to do for you. But if we're fearful and we're not watching, we'll be unable. We'll be unable to see that. And then on top of all that, they went in fully clothed. And the only thing that he took off of them was the bindings on their hands. So he freed them even more than they already were. And he, and he turned the heat up. He turned the heat up seven times on top of all that. So let's talk about fear. I mean, losing my house doesn't hold a candle to being thrown into a furnace, no pun intended. <laughs> and not only did God protect them, like I said, but he sent Jesus in there with them to walk with them. And he'll do the same for you. And you. And you. Unless you choose to bar the furnace door and not let him in and sit in that furnace. During my time in the furnace, Kleenex is in here. Um, during my time in the furnace, we, uh, we decided that we had to... Um, go on food stamps to stop that financial hemorrhaging. And, and I was at a point in my time, in my, in my walk, that, that I'd really gotten on top of everything and was trusting the Lord. And um, so we had to drive down to Newport. It was about an hour down the coast to go um, sign up for food stamps. And, and the Lord just delivered this wonderful little caseworker to us. And she was so precious and loving. And um, we were very humbled. And um, I was trying not to feel humiliated because I don't think that that was good. I think that, that humbled was good. And so we get all done, and we get in the car, and we're headed back up the coast. And uh, uh, Bruce and I are talking, and all of a sudden I look over, and there is a man walking down the, the highway, and he's carrying a life-size cross with a little wheel on it. And it was like God was going, here I am. I'm with you in that furnace. And I just looked over and just rejoiced, you know, in that hard time. And God, God sent that guy, I think, just for me. Not anybody else, just for me. And it was such, a, it was such an encouragement for me. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um... So through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's strength and obedience and their trial, King Nebuchadnezzar came to the Lord. And uh, ladies, people are watching you. They're watching you to, to see how you handle your trials. 
and how you live your life. And it may be someday a testimony to them how you went through it, how you came through it. Somebody may someday say, Liz, I watched you. I watched you go through breast cancer, and the way you came through it has been a testimony to me. And at that time that all that went on, I had a dear friend, and I was, I was rocking the Lord. We were doing, going strong, and I had a friend call me, and she was a believer. And uh, I had busted through that fear. I was uh, submerged in his word, and she called me, and she was in the pit. And I'm telling you, I just exploded. I exploded with encouragement and scripture. And I know that, once again, I know that God sent her to me because he wanted to say, okay, now get out there and go to work and show, show these people what I've done. And uh, it was such a blessing. And by the time she got off, she was so encouraged. And none of that was me. I mean, it was just flowing out of me, just like it is now. And it was just, it was all God. And it was so encouraging. And I think, you know, I could have stayed in that pit. And when she called, we could have wallowed together in self-pity, like we women like to, to do. But instead, I was able to stand up on top of that pit and reach a hand down and pull her out. You know, where do you want to be? Do you want to be down there or up here when fear knocks at your door? Burning in the fire? or having a picnic with Jesus by the campfire? <laughs> Will your faith stand up in the trial? Can you find joy in fear? Okay, enough about fear. Let's explore doubt. Here is the, here is the uh, definition for doubt, a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction, indecision, suspicion, confusion, I believe for many, doubt begins to creep into our lives when we look back. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Doubting that God had his best for me in that time. After all, ladies, don't we sometimes think that we could have done things better? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm driving with my husband, the key words are, I wouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> my husband says, I know, I know, you wouldn't have done it that way. We doubt why things are happening to us at the time. We question, we don't realize. What we don't realize is we may not see the results of Christ's hand in our life until years later. When we were, when Bruce and I were first married, we lived up in Fairfield, way back in the hills. We were dirt poor. We lived in a cabin that we had built with our hands. We had logged the trees, we had sawed the trees, we had built the cabin, and we lived off the grid, and we had only cold running water. And uh, we lived day to day. We sold firewood. That was a big deal for us. We helped people get their deer and elk because we lived so far back in. We were kind of, kind of guides, I guess. And we were helping a guy one fall. And we were up and driving up the hills in our pickup. What we didn't realize when we were driving is that our tailgate flipped open and our chainsaw fell out. And um, you know, that was our main tool. And so we get all done, we get it back to our, ha our cabin. There were a lot of hunters camped up there at the time. We could get back to our cabin, and we didn't really realize until a couple days later that it was gone. 
So Bruce jumps in the truck and puts, goes up and puts notes in all of these hunters' camps, and it never, it never showed up. And believe me, it was very, very difficult to us to come up with, you know, $300 to buy a new chainsaw. It was a very difficult time. So fast forward 20 years later. I'm at the church. Oh, this was such a God thing. And the phone rings. And I said, hello. And this guy said, is this the Whipple's residence? And I said, yeah. We were, we were in the church, and, and he said, I have something of yours. And I said, I don't know where this came from. I said, you have our chainsaw, don't you? And he said, I do. And this is verbatim, the, the conversation. And I said, that was our livelihood. And he said, I'm so sorry. And I said, why don't you call my husband? So I gave him Bruce's number, because, you know, we are emotional. <laughs> and I couldn't talk anymore. And he called Bruce, and he said, and, and ladies, this was, this was 20 years later. He said to Bruce, he said, I got the note. I had your chainsaw. And I didn't want to give it back. And he said... Five, ten years later, I became Christian, and my job was to go from Pocatello to Boise. Well, one of the ways to go from Pocatello to Boise is to go through Fairfield. He said, I couldn't go through Fairfield. He said, I had to go all the way around. And he said, it was killing me. He said, a couple of times, I stopped in Fairfield and looked in the book to see if you guys were there. Well, we left for, you know, we left and came back. And he said, you guys weren't there. And he said, I just came through now and saw that you guys, that your number was in the book. He said, I had to call you. And he said, and of course, Bruce is like, praise God. You know, the only thing that matters is that you got saved. <laughs> and and he, said, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, I'm so sorry. I, I wore that chainsaw out. And Bruce said, don't read that. Praise God. So... So we're going on with life, and Bruce finds a car. Bruce, my husband is an eBay car buyer. The car I'm driving now is off of eBay. And he finds, he was way into Geo Metros. It was right when gas was shooting up, and it was like, we gotta get a Geo Metro. <laughs> and he found one in Boston. And he's like, okay, it's 400 bucks. I'm flying to Boston and driving it home. The day that Bruce, the, the day, I think that was the second one he bought Becky's. He's bought like four Becky's. The day that he went to get it, that car, the car was $400. The day that Bruce went to get that car, a check came in the mail. No, it wasn't a check. It was money came in the mail from that guy for the chainsaw, and it was four $100 bills right before he left to go to the airport. Wow. So... So you see, ladies, we just, we don't realize, we don't realize. That was a 50, that was a 20-year lesson. We don't realize when we're going to see it. We may never see it. Huh? You got plus interest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, let's look at Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended 
But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I love how the same scriptures keep coming up through, through all of the speakers. This is in Debbie's. I press toward the goal. I'm never going to read this again the same because I'm always going to see Debbie running. I, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We must know without a doubt that God has our backs as we press toward the goal. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And we have strongholds, ladies. We have so many strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Because we know that that, and this is what keeps coming up, our minds are our worst enemies sometimes. So I saved the best for last. Let's talk about worry. <laughs> worry, give way to anxiety or unease. Fret, be anxious, overthink. Do we overthink? <laughs> Torment oneself. Oswald Chambers said, and, and when I read this, I read this years ago, and I've never forgotten it. I use it a lot. Oswald Chambers said, worry, and you insult God. I love him. Just let that sink in for a minute. I think that this is one of the biggest tools that the enemy uses on women. And, and I have talked to so many godly, godly women that struggle with worry. You see, fear and doubt are merely feelings, but I believe that worry is an action word. It starts as a feeling, and then it consumes us into emotion. And, and it makes us sick. I, this is funny. I didn't know how to work this in, but I'm just going to throw it in. I was at my nature path the other day, and, and, and I guess he's LDS. But he, I said, I'm going to a women's retreat. And he said, what are you going to talk on? And I said, I'm going to talk on those things that steal our joy. And he said, what are they? What are you, you going to talk? And I said, fear, doubt, and worry. And he said, he said yeah. And, and parts of the, of the stomach are hooked to emotions. And he said, he said, fear? I'm going to forget now. But the one thing that, that, that got me was worry is in the stomach. Do you understand that? Do you, when you get that gut ache because you're so worried? And I thought, oh, that's so good. So it, it, not only is it affecting us spiritually, it's affecting, it's affecting us health-wise. It's affecting our health. In my Bible, it says worry is overmuch concern for earthly things. And, and I really believe it's the most dangerous. It chokes the word of God. It guts the soul. It obstructs the gospel. It hinders Christ's work. And it manifests unbelief. Can we get any worse than that? 
Why would we take it on if we knew all those things? Where worry starts, fear and doubt are not far behind. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, which means worship, and supplication, which means begging, worship and begging. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love what Debbie said about, I'm just a beggar, giving you beggars food. It's okay to beg to God. It's okay. I'll just, I'll give you that freedom right now. It's okay. So after that hard time in Oregon, we ended up renting our house to a wonderful little uh, Seventh-day Adventist couple. And then we quickly came back to Idaho because we knew that we could get work here. So we got back here. And um, Bruce got a job within three days, and we moved into my mother's basement. Now, I thought that we'd be here for maybe six months or so, and the house would sell. Three years later, in my mother's basement. Um, now, I don't know what your relationship with your, with your mother is. Mine is good. Um, it can be difficult at times. And I was very concerned about that. But um, it ended up actually being really, really okay and really a wonderful time. But, but we women, we like, our, we like our nests, you know, we like our stuff. And, and that three years got to be pretty long. But in that three years, my focus... Russell, <gasps> My focus in those three years was in Matthew 6. And, and we all are very familiar with this, but I'm just going to hammer you with it again. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now God so close the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into this oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what will we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I know that was a lot, but, but we, need to, we need to write that on our foreheads. We need to get a grasp of that and how important it is. God knew God, God knew that this would be a struggle when I moved into that basement, so he provided a way out for me, and that was to seek him first. If we would all choose to do that before we begin to worry, we would be free. But 
But man, it's easy to stand up here and tell you that, isn't it? But to actually play that out when it's happening. But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about it's like a train. Worry is like a train that's passing by. And you can choose to get on that train or you can step back and let it go right past you. It's up to you. Sometimes when I feel the symptoms of worry starting, the, the clenched hands, the shortness of breath, the stomach ache, I have to consciously shut it down, hand it over to God, and take a deep breath and relax. And now let me tell you, menopause just heightens all that. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't give us an excuse, but that just means that us ladies in menopause just got to be tougher. And I know we can. <laughs> Philippians 1.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So I want you to look at it this way. Your trial today could be God's good pleasure. I think that's awesome. Love to think about that. So... Every year that came by as we were living in the basement, I would pray, I love Christmas. That's probably, that's probably my vice. I love Christmas. I just, it's just a big deal in our house, and, and, and it's so fun, and, um, and I love the meaning of it. And um, every Christmas that would come by in my little basement apartment, I would say, oh, God, please, just, just give me a, just bring me a house by Christmas. And first year went by, and it didn't happen. Second year went by, didn't happen. Third year came by, and my husband hurt his knee, and he had to quit his job and just go. He's got a business as well. And he quit his job. Our renters told us they were moving out and, and all at once. And, and I continued to pray, continues to pray, and we get, a, we get a call from our realtor, and she says, I have a buyer for your house. This was at the end of November. And first part of December, I walk into this sweet little house in Buell. And I walk in the front door and said, I'll take it. And we had started kind of coming to um, Buell, Calvary Chapel. And, and I look back, and I didn't realize until after Christmas and the first part of the New Year. Isn't that funny? You know, we pray for these things, and we pray for these things. And then when God deli delivers them to us, we're like... What? And I went, oh, my, Lord, for, forgive me. I got to have Christmas in my new house. You know, I was so busy and packing all my stuff. And, and I just praised him. I praised him. You know, had he have done that to me two years earlier, I wouldn't have been as thankful. After three years, man, I, and I realized it. I was thankful. It was like, yes, God, thank you. Thank you. Um, fear, doubt, and worry, which one of those, if not all, are you plagued with today? Christ just, he wants to set you free. It's getting in his way from you to him. We can, in Christ, conquer these joy stealers. Say to yourself, say to your neighbor, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. 
We will no longer allow our feelings and emotions to control us. Right? Right. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. Amen. 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So I want to close with a quick story. Well, we were, with another story. Well, we were living in our cabin. Um, it was before we had kids, and uh, like I said, we didn't have electricity. We lived way back in the hills. And all we had was cold rain and water. It was a 25 by 25 foot cabin, and we, lived, we ended up living there for about 10 years. And um, so in the wintertime, Bruce had built me this uh, wood-burning hot water heater. And we got big snow back then up in Fairfield. We would have like five foot drifts. And it was a beautiful, sunny, clear day. And, and I wanted to fire up the, the wood-burning water heater. And then I had a bathtub sitting outside. And I wanted to take a tub. And so we got it all ready. And I jumped in the tub. Well, Bruce was inside working um, in his shop. And he had the generator going. So it was kind of noisy. So I'm sitting there in my tub. And I'm young and, and kind of foolish at the time. And I'm sitting up and I'm washing my hair. And... All of a sudden, I look up, and here comes a car up our driveway, and I'm up on a hill like and this, naked. and I'm naked in the tub, and I've got shampoo in my hair, and it's four people, two men and two women, and they're all kind of just looking at me, and you know, I don't think they ever expected. I mean, our closest neighbor was 10 miles away. I don't think they ever expected to see this naked woman in a tub. <laughs> and they get, they, they're heading up the driveway. Well, I'm young, I'm not very smart, and I jump up. And I run. <laughs> oh, now the snow is up to here, so I'm in my nakedness, getting to the door. They come around to the front door. The men send the women to the door. It was the Jehovah Witnesses. Oh, no. <laughs> the men sent the women to the door. Bruce answered. They were somewhat tongue-tied and laughed, but I'll tell you what, they never came back again. <laughs> so you see, where we are weak or naked, Christ is strong and he will protect us. Samuel Chadwick said, prayer turns ordinary mortals into men of power it brings power, it brings fire, it brings rain, it brings life, it brings God. Woo! Woo! I mean, just that, just woo! Turn it on. Um, I don't know where I read this. It, was, it just really ministered to me. It is in the valley that we have to live for the glory of God. It is in the place of humiliation that we find our true worth to God. That is where faithfulness is revealed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just this awesome, fun time with these women, Lord God. I just pray, Jesus, that uh, 
these words that you spoke would just minister to them, Father God, and, and that, that they would reach out to each other, Lord God, when they feel their emotions taking over, Lord, that we as sisters could just support each other in these things because we all know, we all can relate. And Lord, as you see, nobody left because they couldn't relate. They stayed because we all struggle, Father God. So Jesus, I pray that, that I did what you, what you called me to do. I pray that, they, that I inspired these women that we can go forth in power and glory, Jesus, and not be crippled by fear, doubt, or worry. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you. In your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, what, what I would love to do for just a couple of minutes, I don't even know how long it went. What I would love to do is I'd love to break up in like about groups of four, two, three, four, five, whatever you feel comfortable, and, and let's just get together. And if, and if a sister is, if you're not struggling with anything, great. But if another sister is, let's pray for each other. Let's lay hands on each other.